Hey guys, what's up? It's Zemet here with another fresh off the oven cast of Cartel Aristocrats. You are just the worst at intros. <laughs> you have to off rehearse. The oven? Yes, he fucked up. He meant to say fresh out of the oven. Yep. But he said fresh off the oven because he's the worst. Anyway, I'm here with my co-hosts, the Salty Spittoons themselves, the three Salteteers, or whatever you want to introduce yourselves as. Who exactly are you guys? Hi, my name is DJ Johnson. I'm buying Pokemon cards right now. Uh, my my QS article this week will be all about Pokemon cards. Uh, hashtag Pokemon Finance about which energies to buy for the correct uh, pre-release uh, mechanic. I'll let Jim go into that in a second, though. Uh, you take it away while I buy the Psychic Energy out for TCG player. Yeah, I told Zuck he should buy a Lightning Energy because that's what energy counters and magic look like. And he's like, nah, man, I'm going to buy a grass one because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but my name is Jim Casal. I write for Gathering Magic every other Monday and Modern Nexus every Wednesday. And you can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. Holy crap, psychic energies are way more expensive than the rest. God damn it. Uh, I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter on Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Wednesday for MTG Price on the Pro Trader side. And I do the MTG Fast Finance podcast with James Chilcott. It's like $6 for an LP Psychic Energy foil. You mad, bro? You have to buy uh, like 30 of them, right, to indicate all your different energy? I'm just going to use die. Screw that. And I'm Zemet here with the hot BBD cosplay this week. And, um, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Sells Magic. And uh, today we had some pretty interesting things get spoiled. Basically, we're getting expeditions for the rest of Magic's lifetime. It's a money grab. It's not great for finance folks, but it's awesome for the players. But yeah, Magic is basically ruined forever. These so, are yeah. no, no, no. These are good for finance people because. Like, little Johnny uh, is going to open up uh, a Mox Opal expedition, and he's going to come to you, and he's going to say, I still want to build my standard deck, and you're going to be like, okay. And then you pay him half of TCG mid or whatever it is, and then he gets to look through your trade binder for, like, 30 minutes. In other words, if you're a shark, you made a lot of money off of this. No, if you're a bender, you make a lot of money off of this. One and the same. No, vendors pay, like, rent and employees. Sharks don't pay anybody. Yeah, that's pretty true. So for the ogres of the world, you're in a good position. But it's interesting because they reprinted a lot of stuff that we didn't necessarily think we'd see until Modern Masters 3 or down the road, and now they're like, boom, let's get 50 new cards for the next two sets, and then let's just reprint the hell out of everything. And Mana Crypt, you know how that just got printed? Well, let's, let's, get, let's throw it back again. So, it's interesting because now you have to watch out for every single release on whether or not something's going to get reprinted. Like, for all we know, for Ether Revolt, they could reprint um, Open the Vaults or Face Reward at, uh, there you at go. Expedition Thank you Rarity, you. just with a middle finger for Travis is the art. Just like, I don't own any Open the Vaults. It's Face Reward. It's the same, same card. And restore balance if they really want to get me. Yep. So what do you guys think about all these new expeditions? They're they're fine. Uh, everything's fine. They're fine. 
done. Well, well, like, there's there's all the Reddit complaints and all the Facebook complaints about how magic is ruined forever. These aren't enough to get into circulation to lower the prices. And, and it's it's fine. Like, uh, these are good for collectors because then that guy who wants to spend three grand on his affinity deck can get all the super cool Mox Opals and Steel Overseers. Uh, the little Johnny guy from before can, like, open up a $100 bill in his pack and get his standard deck together. And uh, then standard prices plummet because the average pop, like EV of a box is more contained in the expeditions, and then that means like Battle for Zendikar esque standard prices where there's only like two cards in the set worth more than fifteen dollars. So everybody wins. It's it's fine. Except for me, because I'm going to buy those stupid expeditions, and I'm going to end up spending more money than I would have if I just played standard instead. That's my problem. I like shiny things. These are shiny things. This has a card that has never been in foil in foil, so like I don't have a choice. I have to buy that. Yeah, listen, listen to Jim, the guy who said he can't afford a second modern deck because he foiled out Burn. Modern's too expensive for Jim, by the way. Yeah, it's it seriously is the worst. I can't I can't avoid Tarmogoyfs because I have Expedition Sacred Foundries or whatever. What card hasn't been in foil before? Mana Vault. Mana Vault. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to say there's one more that hasn't been in foil. Well, Monica Crypt was Champions just in Helm Helm is also uh, never been Painter's filled. Server? Or is Painter's Servant a judge? No, Painter's Servant was in Modern Border. Painter's Servant is Shadow Oh, that's the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of... All of these other... Season. All these cards are in Modern Border. Scroll, scroll Rack, I think, was the only other one that I was kind of confused about. Yeah, like, that had like, an FDV. It was a Commander's Arsenal. Just oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. out, the only other card that's never been foiled is Commander's Helm, because it was only other printed yep. in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That Champion's Helm, that's the one I was thinking of. Sure, that one. Oh. Oh, I thought that was in Theros. No, nope. that's not Hell of the Gods. Yeah, that's uh, a different. I also a thought that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a second. No, this card actually does things that don't suck. I thought they just threw a bulk rare in there, expedition rarity, as like a go fuck yourselves, but it's actually like a the commander card that is relevant in ten dollars. You want to know what the real go fuck yourself is? Whoever, whichever poor schmuck has to pass Soaring and Chandra and the Pro Tour for Seal Pool or whatever. Like, whatever, whatever seal. I, I guess it's a Grand Prix. Someone's going to open a Chandra and a Soaring and pass it. They don't have to. You don't, no, that's not how this works anymore. You don't pass your pool. Okay, so someone will open a Soaring and a Chandra, and, and Casual McGee will top eight the Grand Prix, and they'll be like, wow, this is your first time. How'd you do it? He's like, I just played Chandra turn two every game. Yeah, so, that's how you win Magic games. Turns out when you put Soaring in something where it can be played legally at the highest level, and you get a, a free bump in power, no pun intended there, uh, you're going to win some games. I mean, a lot it, of these just happens. are pretty busted to open, but whatever. One of you said something stupid a minute ago, but I don't remember what it was. It's probably Jeremy. He probably made a pun. He probably yeah. tried to make a pun. I definitely wouldn't. Oh, I know what it was. I don't think... Um... I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't actually that stupid. Uh, I would not be surprised to see this quickly turn into an FTV-style um, series where not every card is going to be an extremely high-value card. Uh, first of all, there's just going to be way too many per set to make sure they're all expensive. And second of all... Um, I, I just I don't think that's the angle that they're they're shooting for. As you know, this yeah. lets them do also. You know, you're gonna have difficulty doing 54 reprints every block without yeah. digging into stuff that's not as expensive. 
They said they'd restrict it to cards that were relevant to the theme of the block, too. Like, they get a whole lot of free reign with artifacts because there's been billions of powerful artifacts, but, like, if they get into the Egypt plane, how many cards are thematically connected to Egypt and Nicol Bolas? Like, it narrows the pool by a lot. Yeah, exactly. I would be very surprised if there was not a Cruel Ultimatum masterpiece. Oh, yeah, there will be. Derek Madlam made a joke about Camel... The like alt art camel today on Twitter, and I just kind of like thought he was being glib because he meant that they were going to run out of cards to reprint, but that's actually like very possible because it'll be on it'll be on point. If I open a gold bordered camel, I will fly to Renton overnight, walk up to Mark Rosewater, and be like, "Hey, you, you ruined the game. I'm done," and then just like quit Magic fly to the Bahamas, and never look at this game again. What if I, that would be the most desperate thing to open ever. I got What's it, but do you think Doug and Jim got it? Huh? I said, I got it, but do you think Jim and Doug got it? No. What are you talking about? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> for, our, for our more skilled listeners, we like to, along with finance knowledge, slither in some, some puns now and then. Easy, medium, and hard level. Yep. But... I would I would probably quit the game if Camel got a expedition style reprint because that financially makes no sense. It doesn't sell packs at all. I think so, that would be perfect. Like it would just it would be such a great it would be such a great include. It'd be funny, it'd be amusing, it'd be like, why would they put this? It's just so goofy because there's gonna be so many others that are valuable that it's okay to have stuff that's not so, do we think Vengeful, Vengeful Pharaoh could be a masterpiece? I hope so. I don't see why not. I would say at this point, nothing is off the table. Like, nothing. Except yeah. reserve list cards. Yeah, like, as much... I would love a Scheherazade reprint if they could do it. That would be awesome. Yeah, Amonkhet is just going to be Arabian Nights. Like, the entire set of Arabian Nights. That's so, like, just put Bazaar of Baghdad in there. You know, dredge up some good old memories. Just have fun with the set. You you could put, like, um, what's that card called? Man, I'm, I'm on a limb here. Not Bazaar. I should know this because I play Vintage. Library of Alexandria? Yeah, Library of Alexandria. That'd just just put that in there, too. Just Just have fun. Is, you know. uh, is Aladdin on the reserve list? Maybe they can reprint him. Aladdin is not. Ollie from Cairo is, if I remember correctly. But if you had Library of Alexandria, I mean, you could just book it up, up to the undefeated bracket at a Grand Prix. Like, it would be so easy. It would just be like, I'll be on the draw every game. That card has to be on the reserve list, right? Yeah, yeah of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. But just like what happened with um, Battle for Zendikar, Singles prices, you know, people listen for the finance knowledge. Single prices, they're going to be depressed as much as battle? Or uh, are we going to see some money to be made in this product? I would expect it to be similar to Battle for Zendikar. I don't see any reason to suggest otherwise. This set looks more hyped than Battle for Zendikar did, too. Like... Battle for Zendikar got Expeditions like as one of the first few cards that were spoiled, and billions of people bought cases just because Expeditions, and then they realized the set was crap. But Kaladesh was hyped up a lot even before this, and had a lot of people like more than normal just excited about the new vibe, the lack of Eldrazi, and then they got then they announced the Expedition stuff. So 
I would not expect to see Kawada single prices be very high overall as a rule. Except maybe Chandra. Travis, do you think Kaladesh prices are going to be high at all? Because I know that you were talking about this on Twitter earlier, and you wanted to lay out your thoughts. I mean, we're still stuck in a, a world where the box price is a limiting factor. Um, you know, that's that's a constant. That is like the one constant in Magic Finance prices that you can't escape. So there will be an equilibrium. Uh, and I wrote an article about this actually about a month and a half ago about Zendikar that looked back at it um, over on MTG Price, and the short version is that it looks like the prices were definitely suppressed by the appearance of Expedition. So I think Kaladesh in general will be lower, um, but I would not be surprised to see Kaladesh's prices spiral out of control after it rotates. There's a lot of very interesting cards here. Um, so we could see some of these really cool artifacts jump out Jump, you know, get get expensive really quickly as soon as they leave their printers. Uh, but really, the best uh, predictor of that will be watching Battle for Zendikar. I think it'll be curious to see how that set fares um, with about this well one year lead time, and that'll show us where Kaladesh is going to end up. That isn't to say that there won't be profit to be made in standard. It's just going to be trickier. Jim, how do you feel about expeditions as the only player in our group? Um, I mean, they're obviously gonna obviously gonna make stuff cheaper. How much cheaper? I don't really know. Like, I don't know if the allure of expeditions will really be the same as it was the last time, because, let, let, for example, um, Battle for Zendikar's cards generally cost a little bit less than Oath of the Gatewatch, like especially at rare. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the quality of the expeditions that you could open. Battle or Oath of the Gatewatch didn't have a ton of very good ones outside of like Wasteland and Horizon Canopy, maybe. So I think that it depends really on where the prices of these new um, masterpieces end up. Because if there's a lot of them in the forty dollar range and not a lot of them in the close to hundred or two hundred dollar range, then it might not have as big of an impact on the set's value as we think it will because maybe people don't want to pay like off the top of my head I can I can guarantee you that none of the gear hulks are going to be more than $40 hanger back walker is not going to be that expensive like maybe lotus petals maybe not that expensive that's where you're wrong don't underestimate legacy players I'm not saying that it won't be. I'm saying maybe it won't be. Like, maybe not Static Orb, maybe not Steel Overseer. Like, we don't know exactly where those are going to end up. So, it's hard to... It's really hard to say. Without even any pre-order prices, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. Now, the the flip side of that is that, like, I'm sure there were a lot of people the first time when Battle for Zendikar came out, and they're like, we knew that there were expeditions. You knew you could open 60 to $100 or $200 cards that other people may have might have taken like price support in packs that may not have always done that previously. So I think there's just a lot more product being opened because people were chasing, you know, oh, I just want to open one expedition because it's cool, so I'm just going to take booster packs instead of store credit or whatever and buy singles. So I think <coughs> a lot of that had to, you know, that, that had a lot to do with why there was so much open, and I'm not sure that really it's going to feel the same way this time. Like, I'm probably not going to try to chase an expedition. I got one. I'm pretty much done. It's it's not like if I open one, sweet, awesome. But I'm not like 
going to keep buying packs till I open one. That's just not going to happen this time. At the very least, you'll see a much lower ceiling on the ultra high quality mythics and rares. So those sixty dollars Chandras that looked bad a week ago look terrible right now. It's interesting because we have so many more in one set, so you have a lot lower likelihood of opening up the specific one that you want. Yeah. Like Battle, Battle for Zendikar had 25, that was it. Oath of the Gatewatch had 20, that was it. This has more than both of those combined in one set. So uh, and, No, it's 54 across the block, so 30 and 24. Okay. Still, though, that's, still, but you still have 33% more than Battle for Zendikar did. So you have a lot lower chance of getting like a set of uh, Crucible of Worlds or a set of Chrome Moxes or whatever out of like just your college packs. You have to open like thousands just to get uh, Chrome Mox as opposed to like several hundred to get a set of Tarns. Yeah, the craziest thing to me is that they're saying that they fixed the uh, distribution of the packs, that it will be about as rare as one Foil Mythic per case. It's like every 144 packs or something, which is exactly one case. If these are actually one per case, and I open up a like Steel Overseer or one of the garbage Gear Hulk thingies, like, that sucks. Steel Overseer is not like one of the worst ones you can get, though, because that's at uh -oh. least a modern 4 of. Like, I'd say Hangerback Walker's on the bottom tier there. I think I'd actually rather have Hangerback Walker than Steel Overseer at this point, just because of the inclusion that it sees in Cube and EDH versus Steel Overseer, which only sees play in Modern. It doesn't see play in Legacy. Walker cast in EDH ever. Uh, I've seen it quite a bit. It also sees play in Vintage Stacks. The yeah. Stacks deck plays it. So the Vintage players who want to foil it, there's a little bit of a market for that. I would say a little bit of a market is an accurate way to describe it. A little bit. <laughs> like yeah. all eight people. <laughs> but, I mean, which card do you think would, would get reprinted first? Hangerback Walker, which just rotated out, or Steel Overseer, which is getting this expedition treatment but could easily be in Modern Masters 3 next year? Like, the most interesting thing from WotC is with the reprints that they're using some of these reprints to sell product, and then just like Yu-Gi-Oh! it could be argued, they're reprinting it right after they use that to sell it. We just had Iona in From the Vault Angels and Modern Masters 2. Now we're getting, oh, you can open a Mana Crypt or buy a Mana Crypt on the singles market, well, we're going to reprint it again. So what are we going to see next year? We could just keep having these double reprints, which effectively kills the price of a card. I mean, Mana Crypt is an obvious exception, but most of these cards that are getting these double reprints are just never going to recover any time in the next couple of years. What are your guys' thoughts on Chromatic Lantern being in the four-color decks based on its printing here? Because I'm on the fence. I don't think the Expedition, the Master Series printing has any bearing on it, one way or the other. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters that much either way. This said, it's going to come out right before, but I don't think that they putting anything in this that really changes how it affects its ability to be in other sets. Because in general, I sold all of my Chromatic Lanterns at 9 because I felt like the risk of holding on to them if it got was reprinted was higher than the benefit of how high they'd go if it wasn't reprinted. Because if it isn't every deck, then it goes to like a 3 or $4 card. And if it's not in every deck, it bumps another maybe like 2 or $3. I don't know. Well, in any case, I just I don't see the Master Series copy editing that. Like, the Master Series yeah. copy is not going to impact the price. No, you're probably right. I'm just curious about Chromatic Lantern in general, that's all. If Chromatic Lantern is reprinted in every Commander deck, I will be trying to buy every single one that I can on its floor. Just like Sol Ring, that card is not going down. 
Yeah. Even if it gets to like three dollars, that's a card you'll always be able to move. I just want to wait and see if it's not in the deck before I get any more of them. That's all. How do you feel about targeting this chromatic lantern, though? Do you think that there's a good market for it and it could eventually go up? I I don't know. It's really sweet looking. I would probably buy them. In fact, I probably I'm going to buy one. It's what really hard to predict what, the future on all these. What did you ask, Jeremy? I missed that. The Expedition Chromatic Lantern, whether or not you buy it or whether or not it goes up. Oh, man. Yeah, like, that's basically my thought. Like, it's there, I mean, so hard. They're all going to crash some amount at the outset, right? Right. The other thing that we do have to be worried about is this is going to be something that happens every three months, where as soon as players have used their paychecks, wham, you... I mean, like, we've been in perpetual spoiler spoilers for almost half a year now. Yeah. They've just been hitting us. Like, the thing I'm worried about especially... Well, I mean, I guess I'm a little lucky in that most of my, my customers are casuals, where, like, they're not targeting this stuff, but... From an LGS perspective, for people who cater to, like, competitive Magic players, this has got to suck. Like, sure, you move your high-end stuff, but I feel like a lot of players are not going to buy into... They can't afford to buy into everything that's going on right now. Like, we just had From the Vault come out, and now we have Kaladesh coming out, and then we have Commander decks coming out, and then we have Planes Chase anthologies or something, and then next year we have, like, we've talked about this before, but players just cannot keep up with the amount of stuff that Watsy is putting out there, and eventually it will break one of two ways where Watsy scales back how many products they're coming out with, or players just stop. And that's bad for us, because if a player gets out of a format, that's less sales and cards we can move. Well, I saw... Go ahead. You can go ahead. I saw somebody comment today. It might have been Corbin. I don't remember. A comment that, um, you know, the, for us, it just seems like they've ramped this, um, this pro the pace of new products very quickly. And it seems like, oh, my God, this is a new face of magic. But Wizards might just be like, okay, let's take a year and dump product on them. Yeah, that was see me. how it goes. Oh, was that you that mentioned yeah. it? Was this what you were going to say? Yeah, basically. Oh, well, you can finish your thought then. <laughs> yes. So my my theory is that Wizards is just basically testing us to see where the breaking point is for the market and that they're going to continue to add products because they have more market research than we do. They have all the data of how much they've sold to Walmart, how much product they've gotten out to all the LGSs. They've got all that data. And so I'm thinking like they're just going to say, okay, based on our numbers, we can add a bunch more products, but they need to find out where that limit is, where the maximum amount of profit is. And so we're just going to get products dumped on us for 2016 and 2017, and they'll figure out, okay, what worked, what didn't work, and that these two are testing years. So they'll figure out, okay, we need to scale this back by two. We need to cut this one. Uh, this Master Series wasn't as effective a conspiracy. And so, like, we'll just weather the storm for 2016 and 17, and they'll figure it out from there. But I don't think that this is, like, going to be a continued, like, continue ramping up the products, like, no matter what, and just drain the game out of its last five years kind of thing. God, I hope not. Like, I play a lot of Magic, so I buy a lot of cards to play with. I probably buy more cards than you guys do to keep. Um, but yeah, it's it it feels rough. Like, it feels like I don't have any time 
to like get excited before I'm ready to get excited again. And, I mean, uh, you're more enfranchised than the average player, though. They're trying to find like what product you want to buy. And for like, sure, yeah, and I'm hoping that they figure out like what things other people can buy. Like, I think that the Commander decks I'm probably going to skip this year. The Anthologies thing I'm not going to buy this year. Like, there's definitely a bunch of supplementary products that I can skip, but I think I maybe made a mistake by not skipping Conspiracy um, and just saving my money for Kaladesh. So we'll see. I, I might make some changes to my spending next year if this continues. Um, especially, like, as of right now, I don't think I'm going to buy any Modern Masters 2017 product. I'm just going like, to wait for singles. Like, this also might just be related to their new announcement schedule, too. Like, they've uh, taken a liking to taking one day and being like, okay, these are the products for the next 18 months or so. And so that gives you an opportunity to say, okay, I want this, 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 and this, and I don't want X, Y, and Z. And so they're giving you all the options beforehand and saying, okay, pick what you want, pick what you don't want from here on out, and then, like, wait till next announcement day. No, I definitely agree. I think that's great. I, I like that, like, announcement schedule a lot. And, like, it's definitely overwhelming in the first week, but it helps a lot of people budget, for sure. The problem I have with that is that Wizards knows what they're doing, and they know that a lot of people are, and I'm going to come off a little harsh here, but a lot of people, a lot of Magic players are uh, these socially inept people that can't control their their choices, really. And so you have these people, and I see it every week, where they come in and they max their bank account or overdraw their bank account just so that they can draft for the week. And those are the people that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the enfranchised player. The enfranchised player can always sell all the cards that they bought from the previous set in order to buy or justify their next expense. For example, you could trade it into cool stuff, all the singles that you would open in your box. You'd be like, oh, I've, I only have to spend $20 on top of that to open my next box of whatever we're opening? This is great. But for those players that, for some reason, dedicate so much of their money that they earn to Magic, this is just going to be too much. I mean, they've been doing that forever, though. Like, that person hasn't... Their behavior hasn't changed since, like, two years ago when they were doing this concept arc here. They still bankrupted themselves on that set because yay, Fetchlands. Right, but the difference was there were less supplemental products, and now we're getting hit with everything. That's where I, I'm drawing the line, because we're starting to get up to twice as many products as we've gotten in previous years. Because it used to just be core set, two sets, commander deck. Might Maybe it, it was, what, four sets a year overall, including the core set back then? plus the Commander deck, plus the From the Vault, and that was it. And now we're getting anthologies and we're getting expeditions that make people go, oh, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to try and buy one of these things and see what happens. It's just going to get rough, especially for where I live, for these casual players. That's just coming from my perspective. Again, it might be different in your areas. Well, I mean, it's just that all can be correct, but is it Wizards supposed to make less products because their customers are occasionally irresponsible with their money. No, Wizards' yeah. goal is to sell as many packs as they can, and by catering to these people, that's what exactly what they're accomplishing. As, as somebody, as what has got to be the most conservative member of this cast, I would think you would be all about uh, Wizards sucking the money out of these people's pockets. Right. It, it, until I got customers, I probably wouldn't have cared either way, but now that I have people to look out for, there's a difference. Look out for? That sounds like... Compassionate conservatism. <laughs> Yep. I, I was going to say, that sounds like uh, social... And Jeremy's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> I, 
I mean, it's more like these people bring massive amounts of revenue, not necessarily profit, but revenue to the shop where they come in every week and they buy a bunch of stuff. And, like, after a while, you start to look out for them and you start to help them out a little bit. But Jeremy's voter registration moved three ticks to the left that day. <laughs> Definitely not, but... Did also, they call you grandpa yet? Like, are you are you dad? No, my customers rub my head, which is really weird. If you're watching this and you are a customer, because I know we have customers that comment on this, don't touch me and invade my personal space. Please. Like, uh, next time I see you, which is hopefully in Atlanta, I'm going to get as close to you as I possibly can and hope that somebody takes a picture. I mean, I won't see you from all the way down there. But I say, who the hell can reach your head? Yeah, yeah. Jim's like four foot ten or something, if I remember from Pittsburgh. He's not that tall. I'm six feet tall. <laughs> short. I remember when, who was it that suggested that Jim and I were the same height? Me. It was I'm Jeremy. A, <laughs> I'm I'm a, easily a half foot shorter than Jim. Yeah. I'm like five six. Yeah, for some reason, I just remembered Jim being the same size as his girlfriend, and they were, and his girlfriend's a smaller person. And so I was just like, ah, oh, Jim's this sort of dwarf person with a beard walking around the Grand Prix floor. He's, not not yeah. even remotely close, <laughs> I think. I think the, the height difference between me and my girlfriend is bigger than me and Doug. Yeah. Yes, yes, I'm taller than your girlfriend. Yep. All right, well, that doesn't have anything to do with finance, but yeah, like... I guess this does work for finance people. If you have a person that you do a bunch of deals with, don't screw them. Or, like, don't... Don't, don't bleed them dry. Don't yeah, burn your bridges. You need them later. Don't don't bleed them dry. That's probably the best way to say it. Especially with all the supplemental stuff coming out. <laughs> well, it's like the old, like, the very old adage that we, like, repeat all the time. It's like, you can only, uh, you can only skin a sheep once, but you can uh, shear an infinite number of times kind of thing. Right, that's how I feel about Wizards. All right, you guys want to get into viewer questions then? We had a good half an hour talk about Kaladesh. Sure. I apologize if you hear anyone yelling in the background. Nobody's being tortured. First off, I'd like to point out that one of our listeners at Alex, or at Sadpore, says that there are already pre-sale Masterpiece singles on eBay. The Gearhulks are already pre-selling for $40. Oh, I love that guy. Um, yeah, he's a good guy to follow. Yeah. Um, Flex to make signals. That's a hell of a, a Twitter username. If you were in sudden, if you were suddenly in possession of a black lotus, where would you go from there? Sell, hold, or try to get into vintage? Uh, I mean, it's not humble the last brag, one. First of all, <laughs> hum, humble brag much, but um, sell it. If you have any amount of money that is owed to any sort of organization or school or, like, car payment, whatever, just pay that off. Just get rid of it. I don't know. I mean, you don't think a Lotus can... The interest on a Lotus is faster than... Fast enough to offset school loans? The interest on school loans? Yeah. And how much you owe already. In my personal situation, I currently have about ten grand of loans from under four years of undergrad. It would be nice if I just happened to come across a Lotus. I would sell it and get rid of get a, get a good chunk of those loans gone. Sure. Although if you've got like forty grand, then it's a lot less. Yeah. No, it's a different situation for everybody. Yeah. yeah. What if you have eighty? What do you do with eighty? Eighty grand or eighty grand in student loans. The second one. Eighty Lotuses. Um. You should probably quit your job at Starbucks and reconsider becoming a liberal arts major. 
<laughs> oh, I didn't do that. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty close. You should take out a little bit more money, use it to buy a gun, and then do yourself <laughs> because you live in Florida. Ask your father Actually, for a small one of a million dollars. I wouldn't need any extra money. I could just go to a Walmart if I so chose and probably buy one. Yeah, Man, can. I can hear the Sanders coming through the microphone. Um, I don't know. It depends on the, it depends on a, the Lotus, and it depends on your financial situation. But if you were not in dire need of the cash, I would be inclined to yeah. just camp on it for nope. the most part. Go to a Grand Prix, trade it. Add towards other cards at buy list, sell those cards, make six grand, buy another Lotus, rinse and repeat. Okay, so you can open up a shop with the Lotus, or <laughs> if that's not who you are, you can just camp on it and it will be fine. Like yeah, there's no single more iconic collectible card in Magic than the Black Lotus. Yeah, unlike option C here is like it depends if you have currently have a legacy deck and you want to get into legacy, and it depends what your Magic goals are in addition to your financial goals. Like if you're all set for Magic and you don't need the cash, but you really want to get, like get into Miracles, then you can turn that Lotus into Miracles plus Dredge or Miracles plus whatever. Like if you haven't gotten them to legacy yet, haven't gotten no modern. A Lotus is an easy entry to every single format that you want to get into, except Vintage. But uh, I would just go put it in a safety bo- uh, safety lock box and just leave it there and forget about it for a while. With the humidity in Florida, I don't know. I wouldn't trust that. In my ACH deck. I don't care if it's legal. Alright, Jim. Jim, here's what you do. You use uh, one of the textbooks that you paid 80 grand, you put it on top of that Lotus... And then that I actually didn't pay from. anything for the textbooks, and it's not that I paid eighty grand; as like as I owe left. But yeah, I've already if, paid a lot of it. If you suddenly come across a lotus, it doesn't. You can sell it or you can hold it. There's not really a wrong thing to do. The price of a lotus won't drop as fast as Hillary's legs when she's trying to leave New York. So there's really nothing to worry about. Next viewer question: Her legs didn't drop; they gave out. So that doesn't make any sense. Also. There's definitely wrong things Why to do. Why would you don't play him? <laughs> also, don't play flip it or rip it with the Lotus. That's probably not a great idea. Yep. At Jack LaCroix. Oh, God. I remember him. If you follow him on Twitter, he has some very not safe for work tweets. In the uh, Yeah. How to sell cards after someone has died. Estate sale, private slash public sale. Go. Well, if you're asking the question, then you know magic in some capacity, so you probably wouldn't be estate selling them. So wait, this people... person <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to. I'm like, wait, who is that? I've never heard of that person. I just, I just look on their profile; they have been blocked. Like the person who would want to know what, who would be best served with that information, wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So I guess I'm a little confused. I mean, let's say hypothetically that you drop dead tomorrow. How would we sell your cards? Go to a Grand Prix and sell them. Sell them on TCG. I think those you are the only two. You go on the high-end Facebook Magic group, and you get a very reputable person to appraise and grade the collection, and then like help you sell it for a portion of it. Yeah, the the the, the easiest answer, like if somebody, if I died, what would Leanne do with my cards? She would probably approach one of my friends and say, yeah. "What do I do with all of these?" You know, find somebody who knew the person who can connect you to the people that knew that stuff. Actual MTG finance tip, tell your partner how much you've spent on Magic cards. There's a buddy of mine who has convinced his wife he has spent $200 on Magic cards. He owns a couple vintage decks. 
make sure that you know to tell your partner what the hell it's worth, because if he drops dead, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, like $100 for these cards, please, at the local game shop. Yeah, yeah, even even if you're not dead, if she's just like, I don't know, they get angry or they don't realize how careful they're supposed to be, right? Like, you know, yeah. they're going to be a lot more careful around your stuff if they know your deck is worth several thousand dollars rather than 50 or 60 bucks. Yep. Also, there's a whole thing about, you know, not lying to your significant other. That that's a, There's a finance component to that, too. <laughs> it's called divorce. Uh, yeah, it's called actually saves you money. You don't have to pay for the wedding in that case. <laughs> At Greeno237 asks, Will Modern Masters 3 print run be large enough to drop price on Snapcaster at Mythic? Should I sell my playset if I'm not using it at the moment? If you don't need them, don't have them. That's it. Just don't well, just don't hold them. Not, none of us know anything about the print run unless one of us knows something they're not telling the rest of us. So we can't tell you anything on that front, but if you're not using them, then yes, sell them. Is Jim going to say anything? I already said, if you don't need them, don't hold them. You know, your, 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 best, your best indicator here is to look back at Modern Masters 1 and 2. Look at the well-played mythics there and see what the prices did after the printing. In general, they all went down. They didn't go down by huge amounts, though. So if you have a playset, it's not worth selling them with the intent of rebuying them later. It's not. It's just not, not going to be worth your time, effort, or money. But if you don't have any, I would wait. Did the, I'm sorry. Did this guy say if he has any or not? I missed it. He says if you have them and you don't need them, like you're not actively using them. Uh, yeah, but it, the thing is, if you plan on picking them back up, which you will, and remember, Modern Masters 17 is nearly a year away, so, you know, it feels like it's soon, but it's quite a ways away, uh, I would That's probably cool. just tell you to keep them. Yeah, if you have no intention of playing them or Modern at all, then get rid of them, but if you maybe happen to maybe eventually think about might using them, then yeah, keep them. I mean, if you're leaving the country or something for a year abroad, you know, two years abroad, then maybe, then you could sell them because you're not actually going to be able to play Magic. Right. Do you guys think that if Snapcaster gets reprinted, its price will rebound like Noble Hierarchy? Do you think that it's been pushed out of the meta and we probably won't care? I think there are too many Snapcaster mages, and I don't think, unless we see a deck that doesn't exist right now come into existence, that Snapcaster mages all of a sudden become very... Expensive. Yeah, it's only in one deck nowadays, right? It's in, like, the Nairi deck. That's it. It used to be in, like, four different brands of Delver, and it used to be in, like, all these other decks, and now it's just in Nairi. That was back when Pod was legal. I miss those days. Me too. I mean, it's, it's in other decks. It's in, like, Delver decks and stuff, but, like, the reality is it's not as popular of a creature as Noble Hierarch. Noble Hierarch is the most played creature in Modern. So. Is it really? That's funny. Yes, it is. It is more played than yep. Tarmogoyf, which is second. And Goyf has been dropping like crazy, which is either horrifying or awesome, depending on the type of player or financier you are. So, it's interesting. I, I do think Stampcaster is uh, huh. going to be a major staple of modern until for time immemorial. I think it's a flash in the pan. That's yeah. funny that Snapcaster yeah. is not... Uh, is not in the meta because it's it's a good card. They'll make more sorceries or instants, and it'll be fine. I wouldn't worry too much. I think it's funny that Spellskite is the third most played creature in modern. I'm looking this up now. You sure that's not an artifact of your imagination? You're bad. Delete your account. 
Can I redirect that? No, it's got... Uh, it's it's only target player. Oh, man. All right. So, we've talked Kaladesh. We've talked viewer questions. Any miscellaneous stuff that you guys want to talk about at all? Whether it comes to bulk, Pokemon finance, apparently, uh, with those energy cards. You know, we did talk about Pokemon bulk, how it could be, how it can be lucrative. Uh, did we actually talk about that, or no? Or I we know we had a book? lengthy discussion about that on Twitter between uh, all the MTG, Chris Combs, and some some other people that, if you're listening, you should be following on Twitter. They dabble in the financing as well. Uh, I'll give you the short version. Pokemon Bulk, you can buy this for fifty to sixty dollars, and per, first per edition thousand. cards, yeah, per thousand compared to Magic, which you can buy us between three and five, and yeah, really good money. See a Pokemon collection on Craigslist for twenty bucks, and it's like five hundred cards. Probably buy it. Worst case, you're gonna break even. A lot of Pokemon cards, like even the rare ones, are like five to eight dollars too. It's very flat across the board. Yeah, and like most of our listeners, you might not know what the hell Pokemon prices are. I know zero single prices for Pokemon. I just know that if I see Pokemon bulk come in, I'm gonna be offering X per thousand. So, yeah, like if you see a Pokemon collection and someone's trying to trade for your Tarmogoyf, like, uh, you can make some money there. Now, don't be like, oh, I'll yeah. give you $5 per K on Pokemon Bulk, but there's room to make money. Just keep Just that in mind. Just all those Mega Steelix EX cards and send them to me. Yep. So you now that we've Pokemon, seen the... uh, I don't play the card game. I play the video game, and What's... I like the art on the cards. What do you need a Steelix for? Because they're sweet. Okay. Are we not so doing Pick of the Week? So now that we've had the Gear Hulk cycle spoiled, are there any cards in Standard you guys like with them? Noxious. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Noxious, Gear Hulk, and Eldrazi Displacer is silly. I mean, any of them in Displacer is silly. Well, the blue one's not... Oh, well, it has to do other things, yeah. And you can't even really... I guess you can blink the green one. That's fine. You can distribute the counters elsewhere, but you want to be attacking with the green one because that's trample. No, Jim, your mic's dead. Classic Jim. It wouldn't be an episode of Cartel Aristocrats without either Sig or Jim's mic fragging out. In fact, if you guys didn't listen to our and you're listening to this on iTunes, and you're wondering, what the hell is six seconds of SIG? Well, the previous one, we had SIG on to talk about last cast in old school, so you should go ahead and give that a listen, if you okay. want to, about SIG and his old school knowledge. So I actually have a question for Jim. Um, how easy is Eldrazi Displacer to actually activate now that Pain Lands are gone? Uh, everyone's going to be playing that Aether Hub card, because it makes colored mana and colorless mana. Oh. You could play, like, like, Unknown Shores and some other bad cards, but, like, it's not as easy, but it's probably still fine. You can still do it. Okay. Um, Like, the thing is, if you're you're blinking Gear Hulks, how many times do you really have to do that to win the game? That's fair. Like, it's probably not going to be very many. Um, The the red one and the... Jim, you might stay again. I don't know what's going on. You know, you would think someone on a finance podcast would invest in a quality microphone, but instead he's saving money on mics so that he can afford to buy his gold shinies. 
Apparently he's got to pay his $900,000 of student loan debt. Yep. Uh, I will say that back in the standard days of Titan, um, when, did, when did you guys start playing Magic again? Original Ravnica. You were Ravnica. M12. And one of Jim's walked away. Jim um, played before us. The first Titan did not always win the game. Um, and in fact, sometimes it was the second or the third Titan that won the game. So, uh, To be fair, back then, those Titans were fighting against Stoneforge and Jace the Mind Sculptor. Right, and other Titans. I'm just like, you know, you're, if you assume that all standard is generally within its own band of power level, um, I could definitely see wanting to blink the the Gearhulks multiple times, especially, I mean, if you're getting a murder on one, like, that's really strong, but one extra murder isn't generally going to be, like, soul-crushingly powerful, right? Like, you need probably, I would say, three of those to get a really good advantage. What is a murder that gains you a billion life, so? Oh, does it gain life on that, too? It, it's when the creature's destroyed, you gain life equal to its toughness. If you kill an Emerald, you gain 13. Cool. <laughs> good. So is there anything else that you guys want to talk about this week? Okay, so any, any things you've been brainstorming for your articles? I have a question just based on this Facebook post I saw. Uh, what would you pay, Jeremy, as a store owner for a thousand bulk foils? Forty bucks. Okay. And keep in mind, I'm in a position where we sell bulk foils at 50 cents, but bulk foils actually don't move as fast as foil bulkers or foil art lands yeah. or foil, foil bulk lands, if that makes I sense. I have returned... Like they're so like we intentionally, and this is something that my customers are all aware of. So I feel like I can talk about this um, on the cast. We seed our boxes with three dollar rares to make people go through them and pull out the value. And while they're going through them, they pull out a bunch of other stuff. So someone found a seven dollar foil the other day for fifty cents in our box because we don't sell foils. I don't want to deal with storing them. I don't want to deal with selling them or a casual shop. EDH players like non foils, right? If you put a $7 card in a 50 cent box, the player who pulled it out was proclaiming to me that he beat the shop. But he also pulled out another 43 cards that were 50 cents. So who wins there? He spends $22 and gets a bunch of bulk foils and bulkers and foil bulkers, and I sell a lot of cards. Uh, I so just have a. I see a Facebook post on. Uh, well, on Facebook, but. Uh, where somebody is selling a thousand bulk foils for eighty dollars, and I'm wondering if it's worth just picking because there might be some random cube foils in there, like Grafted War Gear that he doesn't know about. The highest buy list for foils that I'm aware of is six cents per foil, okay. which is why I would pay four cents per foil. Because at worst, I could flip them, and if some of them are too curved, I'd be breaking even and have a bunch of curved foils left over. Right. Speaking of which, um, keep your your from the vault foils in, like, good storage, or they will start curving. I've had to, like, perfect perfect sleeve and, like, double sleeve a bunch of undisclosed reserveless foils that were printed in from the vaults because the humidity is getting to them, and it's a pain in the butt. This is why I really don't like dealing with foils. So, it, it sucks. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Are we not doing pick of the week at all? That's what we're getting into. Okay. Want to go ahead and start? No, no, you have to sing, Jeremy. There was a yeah. comment that you didn't sing the last time. <laughs> yeah, last week somebody complained that you didn't sing. It's time for the pick of the week. All right, I'll be accepting my Grammy any day now. Go ahead, Definitely Doug. Definitely week. Yep. That was a week pick of the week. 
right, so I am going to grab the low-hanging fruit and pick Eldrazi Displacer. Uh, that this card guy. can be... What? So this guy, stealing my uh, pick. All right. Uh, $3 card, uh, very, very powerful, obviously. Uh, very low risk of reprint because Devoid Shenanigans uh, buy them. They, they blink Gear Hulks. They're powerful enough to activate the crew mechanic on every single card we've seen so far. Uh, it activates the sky ship, and then if you blink the sky ship, then you bolt another guy, and you just straight up win the game, I think. Um, $3 on Jazzy Displacers. I just picked up one from Jeremy yesterday, and he probably is going to regret it in, like, six months. No, nah, I don't regret sales, man. A sale's a sale. No, I know. I'm just messing with you. Jim? All right, so... I really don't have a good like pick that's rare, but I am going to say uh, make sure you keep your Kaladish commons and uncommons. There's a lot of uncommons that can be very expensive very quickly. Um, the flying creature that they spoiled today looks a lot like a much better Augur Bolas because it costs the same amount of mana, has the same power and toughness, and it flies, and you get to see an extra card. So I think that card could be like a $2 uncommon for like a couple weeks if you're, you know, just looking through draft trash or whatever or you're just like not sure what to pick out of your own bulk. Um, that's a card I'd be looking into. Uh, I would say that... Is it crummy to talk about a card that I own a lot of? No. no. You do not it all here. the time? Not here. Um... Oh, are you talking about the Jake EDH rare? Yeah. I love this. Oh, you should pick Sushi. Sushi. So, uh, this card right here, Martin Stromgald. You will probably recognize the art if you've ever looked through piles of Ice Age bulk. And you will notice that there is a lot of words on that card, and nobody actually knows what this says, uh, which is why I think it's so cheap. But it is a reserved list rare, and when it attacks, it... Um, gives all of your attacking creatures plus X plus X, where X is the number of attacking creatures. So if you swing with 10 tokens, you're swinging for uh, basically 100 power. Like, this card is legit. And I had no idea what this card was. Nobody reads it. It's 4 mana for a 1-1. One, one. It's from Ice Age. This card does nothing. Somebody casts it. We're like, what is that? We look it up. We're like, huh. And then he attacks with it. We're like, okay. Everyone at that table pulled out their phone and went and ordered one at that moment. And I, only, I think the only reason this card is like 2 bucks is because nobody knows it exists. Like, EDH players don't know that this card is good. Um, and when we're, we're seeing stuff like Adria, who's the uh, the melee Boros commander. Adriana. The, Adriana, you've got the new Grenzo, who looks really good. Um, Brett has gotten some very playable commanders recently that all like to attack. Uh, Zada. Um, so I own a bunch of Martin Stromgald. Total, total uh, clarity, I have a bunch. But... You can still pick them up, excuse me, for pretty cheap, and that's a reserve list rare that's really good in EDH, and I easily see this card at over $10. I'm going to go ahead and go with a cop-out answer this week. This is just based on buying some cards in. Uh, I think the obvious thing to look for if you're trading, start picking up Painlands, because players will always need them. In fact, we've been sold out of Caves of Koilos, and this is non-standard demand that I'm talking about. Standard players have stopped buying Origin singles at this point. We don't have any more standard tournaments left in the area besides FNM. And people are starting to pick them up because the price is starting to go back down since uh, it's been reprinted. The land cycle I want to focus on more. Did anyone know that Temple of Epiphany is a $3 TCG mid card? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because... Uh, like a buck, two bucks, too. 
Yeah, Doug knows his stuff. I've been paying 50 cents on Temples for a while because I honestly thought none of them were over a dollar. Most of them are over a dollar. The only ones that aren't are the red, white, green, blue. Uh, red, green? Yeah, red, green's cheap, too. The rest of them are over a dollar, though. It's all the ones in Theros. Those are the three of the Theros ones. Yep. So the last one's what? Blue, black, I think? Temple blue of Disney. Blue, like a dollar fifty. Yeah, I had no idea that these cards were starting to creep back up, and they're pretty good in Commander, as far as scrying goes. The black uh, one's like three bucks, too. So I guess you can get them at 50 cents. I didn't realize that I was paying 50 cents on a $3 card. Um, we haven't really sold any of them. It was more when I was just pricing stuff on TCG, and I was like, oh, this card's actually worth money. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye out for, especially if you're in the position to be able to buy cards. So, yeah. You guys want to go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find you all? Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is DJ Johnson. Uh, my articles come out every Thursday on Quiet Speculation, except sometimes there are technical difficulties, and the past couple have come out on Friday, but that's okay. Uh, my article this week will be focusing on Kaladesh Bolt Commons and Uncommons and the non-Bolt Commons and Uncommons that you can pull out of them, similar to Jim's Pick of the Week. Uh, so look for that on the Insider page of QS. My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Gathering Magic every other Monday and Modern Nexus every Wednesday and always on Twitter at PHROSD underscore. And I'm Travis Allen. I'm Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N on Twitter. Right every Wednesday for mtgprice.com on the ProTrader side and I do MTG Fast Finance with James Chilcott. Jim, where is your username from on Twitter? Like, what is What is the origin of that? It's a long story. I'll tell you in person. I right. was 12 and he thought it was edgy. Hey, that's that's where mine's from. Legit. My, my uh, Twitter username is from RuneScape. My RuneScape days. Cool it's story, from World bro. of Warcraft a long time ago. It's, it's from a mix of RuneScape and Yu-Gi-Oh. That's what my username's from. And I'm um, at Zemet Sells Magic, representing the great state of Missouri. We have a $1,500 legacy tournament coming up this weekend. I hope to see people that are not playing Eldrazi there. Best format of Magic besides Vintage that's easily accessible. Argue with me as much as you want. Legacy's a fun format. We hope to have 60 or 70 players, I think, this weekend. So it should be a blast. You can come by and talk with me, Finance. A lot of people seem to like it. Don't touch my head. Pretty simple stuff. Have um, as many players as you want. Doesn't mean you're going to get them. Yeah. Uh, this is actually less than we got for our last couple of tournaments. I'm expecting less because we got a game day against Georgia where we will hopefully beat Thomas Dodd's Bulldogs or whatever their mascot Ooh. is. Uh, it's at home, so I'm I'm throwing a legacy tournament instead of going to a really cool football game. But, uh, yeah, as usual, thanks for listening. We really appreciate the fact that over a thousand of you guys listen to us on all of our different platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and we have the Audible link or whatever that is, the downloadable link. Uh, really appreciate it. As usual, we're going to leave you with some little cartel finance knowledge. What should we go with this week? Ah, tournament tips. Be careful with drinks on the table. You don't want your auger of bolus to become an auger of coals. Somebody get... Why can't anybody mute Jeremy? <laughs> you sure as heck don't want your Deathrite Shamans to become Death Sprite Shamans. You don't want oh, your Tropical God. Islands to become God. Tropicana Islands. And you don't want your Force of Wills. And you don't want your Force of Wills to become Force of Spills.
Thank you for watching number 25 in our podcast. We appreciate it, and as usual, we'll see you guys next week.